Welcome to Better Than Wine Podcast with Sean and Riley. Hello everyone. We're so happy to be back. So happy. (laughs) Sorry. No, but for real. Sean's sarcasm remained fully intact throughout these last three weeks. May have gotten worse. I don't know. You know, it did. For sure. I do. I know. Okay. Good. Tonight we're drinking King Chanchos. Yep. Sauvignon Blanc. It's got a pig on it. Pretty sure it's the same wine we were drinking during the last episode. Probably. But it's been three weeks since we recorded that. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like, finish a bottle of wine in a timely manner. That's true. And we're not good at that in the first place. Not normally. I think we have like six open bottles of wine because of the podcast. Yeah. Three. At least three. Definitely. Yeah. One of them has, the cupcake wine has been demoted to a cooking wine. Yeah. So it's useful at least. Yes. Um, we are not recording with video this week on account of our house is a mess, and if you want to see what it looks like, go to our Instagram. (laughs) Okay. I shared a picture of the floor before I cleaned up in here a little bit. Oh, good. Um, but... If we were going to try to figure out lighting and everything, we wouldn't be able to do an actual podcast tonight. Yeah. Because we just got out the equipment for the first time. The first time in forever. All right, Frozen. Honey had a birthday. (laughs) It was was unicorn-themed, but the gifts were Frozen-themed. Yeah, there was also a mermaid balloon for some reason. She, that's what she picked. Yep. I told her she could pick two big ones, and yeah, they, uh, I went, I made a mistake, and I went to Party City with Benny and no plan. Mm. Yep. And a mistake. she had a great time. It was very fun, I thought. The party or the going to Party City? For me, it was all kind of one continuous thing, because I don't ever buy supplies until, like, an hour before we're supposed to do something. Yeah. So. Yeah, it worked out, though. uh, Um, back to recording without video, though. Yeah. Real quick. One thing that's exciting about not recording with video is I get to use this owl mug, owl mug, owl wine glass. Uh Uh-huh. Would but, you not use that other one? No, oh, because I want no it to magic. match on the video. Yeah. And there's only one of these. And we won't talk about why. For some reason. Somebody. There's only one. Yep. Interestingly enough, they came in a set of two. Yep. I don't know where you're... Plain wine glass. It's like the one lone plain wine glass. (laughs) Yeah. We always drink from stemless wine glasses, too. Mm hmm. That's more of a practicality thing. 
I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, having stemless wine glasses versus... Right. Not. So, it's been a time. Yeah. Um... What are we talking about tonight, Sean? Tonight, we will be talking about the ethos of redemption. The ethernet? The ethernet of redemption. This... I wonder if there are people listening to this podcast who don't know what <laughs> ethernet are, are, what ethernet is. Ether, ethernets. Um, <clears throat> maybe, but, you know, that's a... We're actually rebranding our podcast title to the Ethernet, Ethernet of Redemption. Redemption because that makes sense. It doesn't at all. No. But we're gonna talk about ethos. 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 If it's gonna be kind of a Greek. briefer introduction. Yeah. There's because there's a lot to talk about with it, and there's like I feel like a few different. F- facets. Yeah, and it's one of those terms that you want to kind of have a basic understanding of when you're delving into the rest of theology of the body. Yeah, because it comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. Especially as we talk about how theology of the body impacts how we live our lives. Yeah, so anyways, well I think where we should really start is how would you define ethos? How would I define ethos? It's a definition you the would definition, give. Definition, not not like me, Riley, subjectively uh, defining. Either way. Um. So my understanding of ethos is that it kind of encompasses your entire way of living like how you conduct your being Mm -hmm. is there i feel like there's a second part to it though that i'm not recalling that's i think that's they probably probably is um i was looking at was doing some research and trying to see what john paul ii said i put it here somewhere okay so he talks about the ethos of the body. So just like of, you know, like he usually talks about our body, just like our the physical part of ourselves. Yes. So he says the ethos of the body, that is the ethical norms that govern its nakedness because of the dignity of the personal subject. So like, it's talking about the human body, like, masculine or feminine um the ethical norms that govern its nakedness because of the dignity of the personal subject so the ethos is like the the like your habits yeah like it, or i think what's most what was the second part important to of- it is the, the ethical norms that govern it that's kind of the the ethos what would be a synonym for ethical norms? Um, <clears throat> Another way to say it would be uh, like 
immoral laws. <laughs> sort of. But like for each individual, right? Right. Yeah. Am I interpreting that? Yeah, so if you just talk about like ethos sort of generally, yeah, it's it's different from person to person. It's like you said before, it's kind of what um I don't say what like drives you, but what is kind of going on <laughs> inside your own head that like is what kind of makes things make sense to you, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it's a, it's an individualistic right thing. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, that's pretty much so it. So, you can have, like, a, uh, how do I want to say this? Like, hypothetically speaking, you could have an amoral ethos. Amoral? Would you? Yeah. Or immoral? Without morals, I suppose that would be like sadistic. No, mm. I guess immoral. You could say that too. Should we conflate ethos with behavior? I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think it's sort or of. Or is behavior a part of ethos? I think behavior generally is how like your ethos is expressed okay so it's kind of like the all-encompassing process of yeah how and why one conducts themselves a certain way right yeah exactly so that's why or i think that's I'd have to think about it a little more or do some more research Mm -hmm. before saying you could be like amoral but um, I think it certainly can be immoral, where if sort of based on your, between kind of either the way you've been raised and um, just the culture and beliefs that you hold, just that have grown in you over time. Right. Uh, if those are immoral, then you're going to act based on those things. Mm-hmm. And so you're your own ethos will be immoral. So, whereas it's, right, it could be the opposite where you have a more moral ethos. Yeah. Where, you know, you're governed by some sort of uh, morality that you follow. Um, And so, and that's what, it's the reason that, you know, you follow certain rules and do certain things is that you know because right. this is what you sort of I want to say been conditioned to but um, it sort of just is normal to you because it's it's like a habit that you've created over time okay mm-hmm. I was gonna ask Um, so would that include like 
don't want to say like personality characteristics maybe like mm. habits I guess it would be any kind of behavior for any reason yeah and, and I think that an expression of your ethos I was trying to say well, like can trauma play a role yeah I think it could certainly because that can change the way that you think about things right uh, you know, if there's some sort of traumatic event that happens in your life, I mean, I think that could be one of the kind of major things that happens is you think, you know, why did this happen? Right. And depending on the answer you come to, <laughs> that might really change. So can your ethos change over time or with healing? <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the message that um, John Paul II says that Jesus is trying to give to us, is that, you know, we're not just doomed. (laughs) Right. But, um, and that's where this phrase of the ethos of redemption comes in, that, uh, you know, it's, it's realizing that we are called to more uh, and you know kind of always in this life and that you know we always should be striving to be better um, but that uh, again is kind of not the way people saw it especially at that time when Jesus was actually on earth um, and I think a lot of people kind of have that same outlook now still for sure um that you know it's almost like well no matter what i do i'll never be uh good enough or um some people might say they don't even care about trying to be good enough but uh you know sort of like the people in jesus's time where their kind of thought pattern their ethos was more geared toward you know am i following you know, the the word of the law, you know, whatever it says, as long as I'm not, you know, breaking the word of the law, or is very legalistic, and those who were, quote-unquote, intelligent, right. uh, could, you know, find ways around it, find loopholes in the law, um, and that's what Jesus is kind of combating directly. Um but that it has, you know, even further kind of reaching um, effects, you know, even to now in the way that, you know, any of us think also. Mm-hmm. Um, have we talked about called Not Condemned? No, I don't think so. I, Maybe we've brought it up a little bit, but not really talked well, about it. it might not be worth, like, going into that whole, like, side of things tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, But at least mentioning, like, this kind of conversion in the ethos. Yes. Is, that's the, I mean, as with everything in Theology of the Body, it's all, like, intertwined. Right. Um, But is there anything specific that you want to point out regarding that? I feel like called not condemned is kind of a self-explanatory it is. I think it's just... Phrase, but... Yeah. Uh, 
I think that's coming from me knowing what both of those really refer to. Right, and that's why I think the context of it is important, and also, um, <clears throat> I guess right that you're it's being taken from um, when Jesus is talking about uh, adultery. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he says, if you know a man even looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's he's committed adultery. Uh, in that, in that passage, I think it's what John Paul II is kind of laying out is that when most people hear that or read that, that it's like, okay, Jesus is being really tough. Like that's that's pretty rough. That you know, just like looking at somebody can be, you know, looking at somebody the, in the wrong way, right? In the way that you're not respecting that person's dignity. Um, and who they truly are is adultery. Like, that seems really serious. And so that's why I think most people say that it's Jesus kind of condemning us that, you know, this is almost impossible. That, like, you know, you could so easily uh, fall into this and, like, all of a sudden you're an adulterer right. based on Jesus' words. Um you know, but what John Paul II takes the time to kind of go through, and that we won't go through all of it now, uh, is that, you know, it's really Jesus calling us to something more, mm-hmm. to change, sort of have a change of heart <laughs> that we, you know, again, would just not so much be, you know, stuck to you know, like following the um, the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, right? Like, okay, well, not actually committing adultery uh, based on, you know, this example from Jesus, but uh, according to Jesus, you know, that believe he is God, then yeah, what he's saying is true that even just looking at someone in a lustful way is adultery. You're committing adultery with them in your heart. Um, is that he is saying that we need to not just follow the words, you know, on the on the tablet, but actually change our own perspective, uh, change our own heart to you know even have this control over our thoughts of, you know, just of what we're seeing around us. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know. I always think of, like, like, I didn't actually do anything. Like, Mm -hmm. that's essentially what the Pharisees are. Wait, Pharisees. That's who's in play here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um what the Pharisees are kind of saying, like, um, like, I didn't actually do it. I wanted to, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I feel like so often we kind of want to take that approach when we're doing evaluation of our own lives and our own sin, examination of conscience. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, 
I personally feel like I'm not super inclined to think like what were my thoughts I'm very often like what were my words and my actions and I so I forget a lot about my thoughts mm-hmm. that's something I need to work on sure yeah it's um yeah one of those things too where I just yeah like you said in general I think most people have that kind of thought process of like if I'm not actually like doing anything it can't be wrong yeah but I mean like here it's Jesus like directly contradicting that that like if you were basically saying if you were who you were made to be that thought wouldn't even cross your mind right that if you were you know again if you were practicing this you're trying to be that person that you were made to be you could overcome that and that's what he where he's calling us to something more to to kind of be more like the people we're made to be yeah you have a note here about threefold concupiscence yes which i feel like kind of plays into what we're talking about right now i don't Mm -hmm. know if you were planning to bring it up later but can i bring it up now yeah that's fine that's kind of where he brings it up so okay that's why it's in there um can you guys tell sean did the notes for this episode (laughs) um so you have threefold concupiscence of the body of the mind and pride of life um I feel like of the mind is pretty self-explanatory since we just talked about, like, in my thoughts and in my words and, like, how often we disregard. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I do. I don't want to speak for anyone else. Is there more to that part that he's... No, really. I think he's just... he Because he pulls it from... Um, where is it from? I should have wrote that down. Um, I think it's John. Or the, a letter, John. I forget where he pulls it from. It's it's John, though. Yeah. Saying, um, talking about threefold concupiscence. Um... But that John Paul II brings it up to kind of tie it in to all of this, uh, saying and the looking at the context of historical man, right? Um, as opposed to the original man, and then eventually the uh, eschatological man. So, can you kind of clarify this, like? how this threefold concupiscence kind of plays into ethos. I feel like we already talked about it a little bit, but not using these specific terms. Yeah. If um, that makes sense. And if I'm, like, way off track here. No, it's, it's good. Steer me um, back. <laughs> yeah. It's just that I think that... Um, 
Yeah, because the way he ties it in, I think it's just really looking at, first of all, Jesus' words here of um, talking about uh, divorce specifically. Uh, where the Pharisees confront him and we've gone over this before. Right. Um, if you're and, wondering what we're talking about, go to episode two. <laughs> right? That's where we... Sure, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we started right. with Matthew 19 after the temperaments. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So they are asking Jesus again, trying to trick him um, by saying you know, Moses allowed divorce. Um, and, you know, mostly just trying to get him to pick a side. To say, you know, whether divorce was allowed or not, or should be, or shouldn't be. Um, <clears throat> and, right, that Jesus kind of, like, shuts them down and doesn't really answer, obviously, the way they wanted him to. Right. It says, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed divorce, but in the beginning it was not so. Um, and so that's where, you know, John Paul II is saying... You know, if we look at the original man and then compare that to the historical man, obviously, you know, now we have these, um, this tendency to sin, this concupiscence, uh, that, you know, he kind of ties it all in, but the fact that a lot of times it's kind of overlooked, um, mm-hmm. even though Jesus says directly that, you know, our, your, your thoughts are also important to kind of have control over them. Um, to not just, you know, let yourself, kind of like let your guard down. Right. That's what he's kind of basically saying. So, um, and then, right, that this ties into ethos, sort of generally of that, you know, if we're not kind of practicing this discipline of our ourselves, uh, that, you know, to overcome this concupiscence, right. then, you know, that we're not being the kind of people we're made to be. Um, and ultimately, right, if we're not being who we're made to be, if we're not happy or we're not, um, you know, finding this, like, fulfillment that God wants for us, uh, but rather we're just more kind of stuck in ourselves and, more, and miserable uh, eventually, and then even further so, we look to the eschatological man compared to historical man. John Paul II is talking about this ethos of redemption that you know Jesus again is just is calling us to more, wants us to kind of want more for ourselves, mm-hmm. and realize that we're not just stuck, we're not trapped in this concupiscence, but that we can overcome it um eventually (laughs) that like now we just need to kind of do the best that we can um and you know hopefully do pretty well with that but um that ultimately through jesus's sacrifice on the cross we now have this hope of we talked about before the, the resurrection um that we can 
you know, completely overcome this, you know, this original sin and its effects and be in heaven with God, body and soul. Uh, it's kind of this thing, kind of where John Paul II talks about too, that, you know, it's like you have this uh, idea of redemption is not just uh, something that's like usually you talk about redemption and it's kind of like uh, you've lost something and then you get it back like you get the same thing back that you lost but what John Paul II kind of goes into here is saying that this redemption that Jesus brings, it's it's even greater than what we had at first in the beginning was good. It was very good, as God said. Uh, we lost it through original sin and disobeying God's command, choosing to do so. Um, and then Jesus, as God, kind of wins it back for us through his sacrifice. Um, but it's not even just that we go back to, you know, our hope now isn't to, like, go to, can I go back to being, like, Adam and Eve in the garden? It's even greater where we can now be in heaven with God himself. Um, whereas they were just kind of, like, in, like, paradise, right? But kind of near God, that he wasn't, um, they weren't living kind of in his presence at all times. Uh, like, you know, now we have that that's our hope now. Right. That's good stuff. Okay. That heaven thing. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. You know, I actually had a really good, um, while we're talking about heaven, um, in one of my classes last week, mm-hmm. my students asked, or he said, he's like, I think he's a fifth grader. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he said, like, you know, and, and this, like, this probably sounds kind of weird, but I'm sort of scared of the idea of going to heaven. I was like, why? And he says, well, it's just like if heaven is just like being with God all the time and there's like nothing else, it's just like doing that like forever just kind of scares me. Like, what if I want to do something else? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I kind of get it. Um, but that's just, it's like, and I guess the answer I gave him, which I don't know how good or not it was, I was like, yeah, like, I see, like, why you would be <laughs> kind of having that fear a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, because, like, now we're so used to, like, living in, like, time right that if we have to do anything for like the same amount of time it gets repetitive boring whatever but i was like in heaven you know it's just gonna be you know being in the presence of god just you won't have a desire for anything else right everything you won't be be fulfilled purified of all of those worldly attachments Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so I don't know. I just thought that was kind of funny. I just remembered that. It's very perceptive. Yeah. Like, 
question fear yeah discomfort from a from a kid that age is really interesting yeah. yeah it is um you know him though he asks a lot of questions i'm really glad that your fifth graders talk to you yeah me too because the eighth graders don't say a darn word no sometimes they do but not yeah. usually but I don't think nothing like that. I love like fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Sixth grade, it depends on the kid. Yeah. Whether they've closed up or not. Mm hmm. Um, but man, fifth graders will literally tell you and talk to you about anything. Yeah, they will. They really will. Is this the same kid who told you he prayed for the dead after he learned about it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, after we had talked about um, purgatory, he was like, I do that for real now. Like, I'm not just saying that, like, for real. <laughs> I was like, okay, I believe you. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I'll have to see, like, what grade he's in. Yeah. And, because if he's in sixth grade, he could come to youth group and... He's, he's in fifth. Oh, he's in I only have one sixth grader in that class. And next year he could come to youth group, yeah. and I bet he would love prayers for the dead. I'm sure he would. I am sure he would. Um, and learning about indulgences. Yeah, we've we kind of talked about those too oh, at one point, you? only a little bit. That's what we always talk about during that. The November, first week of November youth group. Hmm. It's yep. indulgences, and then we do the prayers for the dead. Yeah, that makes sense. So, which reminds me that I want to have Father on to talk about indulgences mm-hmm. and purgatory. Yeah. And maybe he'll tell his purgatory joke. Oh, good. It's terrible, but Sean will love it. Probably. Nope, for sure. Okay. Um, okay. So... So anyways, to go back to, um, Jesus, and talking about ethos. Yes. Um. Oh, do go on. Where he also kind of goes with this. And you have a Bible? I do have a Bible. I have the trusty Didache. Would you like to go to Letter to the Romans, Chapter 8? Is this a setup where you're going to make fun of me for looking things up in the table of contents? Well, it wasn't. Now it is. I can find it. I hope so. It's not... I don't have the order of books memorized, okay? I don't either, but, you know, kind of generally... Well, yeah, but it wouldn't it be faster to just use a page number? Which book did you say again? Romans. <laughs> Aha, so, found it. yeah. Good job. Chapter what? Uh, chapter 8. Starting around verse 20. And uh, so there's 
when you know when he's John Paul II is looking at Jesus' words to the Pharisees, uh-huh. and um, specifically, or you know, specifically talking about when he's talking about um, adultery mm-hmm. of you know again the, of the heart um, that just in your in your thoughts you can commit adultery. Right. Um, John Paul II, he calls this a, a new ethos that Jesus is kind of promoting <laughs> to people. Uh, that uh, that he also refers to as the ethos of the redemption of the body. And so specifically, he points to Romans chapter 8, where St. Paul... Um, talks about our desire to be free from uh, the slavery of sin. And so I don't know if you want to read that or I could read it. Verse 20. Verse 20 through 23 I can read it. I would love to read, read it. That section. I'm the talking darn thing you've ever saw. <laughs> um, okay. Verse 20. That starts in the middle of a sentence. Okay, and go before that. Okay. The Bible is so weird because, like, it starts in the middle of a sentence, but the sentence starts in the middle of a thought. Yeah. Because Paul. So, yeah. So, wherever seems like a good place. I'll just start from verse 20. Okay. Okay. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of him who was subjected, I'm sorry, of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning with labor pains together until now. Am I reading through 23? Um, sure. Okay. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Yeah, okay. You guys have heard this verse before. Who? We, anyone listening to this podcast. When? Um... When we talked about spousal meaning of the body. No. When we talked about the fall. Did we? We totally read this verse. Hmm. Maybe. I just, I don't remember. So. But, anyways. But, it's good to come back and review. Yeah, and it has sort of a, maybe a slightly different... Yeah. ...way to look at it. Well, and we had kind of... I think we had talked about how, like, suffering kind of plays into, I don't know, I have to go back and (laughs) listen to what we said, but how does it relate to ethos Um, and what you're, where you're going? This, what he's saying here is kind of the, the new ethos that Jesus kind of brings about, um... Paul is just like, 
sort of explaining what it's like to experience it <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Where he's like, um, basically this idea of knowing that there's something more and wanting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, trying to just to achieve that, to get out of, you know, realizing that there's this, uh, you know, like slavery to sin that we experience, that it's, you know, because of our concupiscence, we can't escape it completely now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have people who get close, (laughs) but it's impossible to completely uh, be free of it. Unless, you know, you're, you're Jesus or Mary. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of the only way. Um, if you're like a human person on earth. But um, for the rest of us, this is what it's like that, you know, it's almost like this constant battle to overcome it. Uh, but what Jesus is showing us that there's, there is more in what Paul says sort of near the end of this uh, section of mm-hmm. saying that um, you know talking about being uh, adopted sons of God uh, about um, him and like the other like the first disciples of Jesus having the, the first those first fruits right. kind of having like that first taste of what it's like and now like groaning for for more um, you know, knowing that more is out there, just yeah. kind of waiting for it, um, trying to live to be worthy of it, uh, is, you know, this constant kind of struggle we go through, um, that, you know, right, as, as John Paul II says, that this, you know, is sort of a timeless sort of thing where, um, it really doesn't matter where you're from, what time period even, um, you know, what culture, what, whatever. Um, you know, he says that this is a universal uh, sort of experience of the human person, of, you know, struggling to try to, to be better, right? That you, um, in a certain way, right, that you can anybody knows that, you know, when they fail, um, or when, you know, they're not being the best that they can be. Uh, so this is kind of just sort of, uh, a little more, I don't, I don't know the right way to put it, but, uh, just a little more pointed toward, you know, what Jesus is trying to bring specifically to us of, you know, not just telling us, hey, there's more, but also him pointing to the beginning to say, this is how <laughs> you should be so that you can achieve that, right? Telling us, you know, how to do it. That, right? Jesus says, I am the way, right? That we follow his example and what he's told us. Um, that is how we achieve this. This is how we it's kind of the whole point of the whole thing is to, um, you know, realize that Jesus is showing us and telling us what to do, 
we just have to do it. Um, and that's what St. Paul is saying, like, and he said in other places, like, you know, we, it's like, we know what to do. We know what we need to do. Uh, but it's just overcoming that and actually doing it um, is the really difficult part. <laughs> and so it's not easy. But obviously, it's if we understand the goal uh, and have some kind of value in that, uh, you know, of being in heaven, then yeah, it's obviously worth the struggle. Amen. Okay. To that. All right, cool. <laughs> um, so this is not a topic that I have like it's really thorough understanding of. Yeah, honestly, me neither <laughs> too much, but it's more, I don't know, it, it's a very, it's sort of like broad topic I think too so yeah um but I've always liked the um the whole like call not accused thing John Paul II presents um called what? called not um accused or condemned, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you say. I was like, are you making up new terms? Um, I mean, just We've been whatever. using called not condemned, but I feel like, in essence, they're the same thing. Yeah. Although accused is more of... Like, condemned seems just more final and permanent. More alliterative. Yes. Also that... Made a lot of alliteration. True. Um, yeah, uh, so another thing, too, to just kind of talk about, maybe briefly, um, that when we, John Paul II talks about this new ethos, mm-hmm. um, that uh, I think it's important to note, as he points out as well, that this is not something just like completely different from whatever God had told us before or what he had planned for us, Mm -hmm. right? That Jesus, who is God isn't just making up something completely new and different than what he, like, he as God has said before. Um, that is really, I mean, most clearly kind of seen when Jesus, like, says, um, and I don't remember where he says this exactly, but... Mm-hmm. Um, right, that he says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Right. Um, that it's like, it's almost like he's, he's not like pulling back like a curtain to be like, but wait, there's more. Um, you know, just kind like, of like in an illuminative, like elevating our understanding. Mm hmm. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. That it's like okay. We, I mean, at this point, when he's like there on Earth, it's like okay, we've had these laws for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. not longer. I don't really know the timeline. Um, and since Noah was five hundred years old, right? So, yeah. Um, but you obviously you have all these people who have dedicated their lives to studying the law, understanding it, teaching it, um, and these have become the people who Jesus kind of exposes them, that they kind of understand it the least. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, they don't live it out in their hearts, that it, they they just know the words. Right. <laughs> Basically. Um, and so that's where he's, you know, stepping in to say, you know, there is more to this and, uh, you even see it cause that's even been, um, recently, uh, the, a lot of the, the gospel readings, uh, maybe last week or the week before were all the, all these confrontations that Jesus has with the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh-huh. and, like the where it kind of culminates is um I forget exactly I can't remember exactly the context Mm -hmm. um but like when you look at all of the uh the different confrontations it's you know the first However many, I think there's three, there's four total, I think, in the first three times, they've always come to him with some kind of question or some kind of trick. Right. Um, and this last time, he, like, just calls them out to say, like, you know, sort oh. of, like, in anger, almost. I, I forget what it says exactly, but it's Where almost he, like... like, knows their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which, if I had, like, thought about that sooner, you could have, like, looked it up, but... I don't want to misquote something now, but basically that's what happens is that, yeah. um, yeah, Jesus just like calls it out and it like is almost like angry, not angry, but just like frustrated that like you're the ones who are supposed to know <laughs> right? and you do not and you're making it worse for other people too, which like, you know, Trying to understand God's perspective, like, yeah, that's pretty frustrating. <laughs> right. Um, and, yeah, not even that, you know, it's, it's not even, like, the hatred. Like, it's still out of love for them, <laughs> too. That, like, he wants better for them. Like, hey, you guys are not living up to your full potential right now. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, I think that's that's part of it, too, that just that Jesus, you know, is not trying to, like, take anybody down, but to say that, um, you know, there's just, there's more to this, and it's not about, you know, do you follow all the rules, you know, by, you know, whatever it says, um, but do you really live it out in your heart that it actually kind of 
should change <laughs> who you are to a certain degree. That again, that you can be better. That you it just you just have to be trying. <laughs> it's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, and then go, he kind of goes on to John Paul II. Um, talks about how. Uh, you know Jesus' words when he um, talks about you know looking back to the beginning or um, talking about the hardness of their hearts or even when he's talking about the um, you know committing adultery um, in your heart yeah. that kind of what I forget exactly how he says it but the way that John Paul II says it's like justified of Jesus to say these things is because of the ethos of redemption. Right. Because otherwise, if, you know, say it wasn't about, you know, us having uh, the hope of being better, of having something better, of, you know, eventually, right, of our redemption of being able to be in heaven that right, it would be like Jesus saying these things would be like a uh, condemnation <laughs> of us that saying you know this is how it was meant to be but now it's not but it's only because of this understanding of our redemption that you know Jesus it's like I don't want to say like has the right <laughs> But it's actually productive, I guess, for Jesus to point yeah. these things out to us. Um, and John Paul II goes on and on about how, um, you know, even though it's we look at these words of Jesus, they're not necessarily like long, lengthy, like things that he's saying uh, on the surface, but behind them there's so much depth that like, this is what he's going into right. is you know how much different things are kind of interconnected um, and right even at that time things that hadn't even been written yet <laughs> yeah. right like things that St. Paul would write that we now can connect it to or, um, you know all different kinds of things so um the way that, you know, the, the just the depth to Jesus' words. That, uh, and obviously, it's not just a coincidence, <laughs> but that, you know, Jesus is saying these things to us so that we can come to understand it better, so mm -hmm. that we can realize that he's not just saying these things to, you know, have some kind of, like, shock value to us or something. Yeah. Um but saying them so that we actually kind of pay attention, realize that there's something to this that, um, you know, if we're not paying attention, you know, we're going to miss. But we have to kind of be more intentional than that and actually put more effort in than just knowing the words of the commandments. Right. Um, you know, which is great. It's great to know what the commandments are. It's great to know the Ten Commandments in order and all that. But um, if we don't live them out, if we don't 
actually, you know, live out this kind of the spirit of the Ten Commandments. And rather than just trying to follow the words, then we're going to fall short. So, you have a quote here from John Paul II Mm -hmm. that I feel like summarizes what you're saying nicely. Yes. Uh, Which, may I read it? Yeah, please. He says, The ethos of redemption is realized in self-mastery, that is, in the continence of desires. So, I guess, maybe for, like, final thoughts? Mm-hmm. Thought for your thoughts. <laughs> thought for your thoughts. Um, we should talk about how one hypothetically achieves self-mastery on account of, I don't think either of us have actually ever done that. <laughs> No. <laughs> so. Definitely not. I know there are people in the world, well. No, I think. So in the heaven who have achieved it while they were in the world. I don't even think you can say that. Probably by the end, maybe. I would mm. say, like, if you achieve self mastery. Mm. Here's the thing. Like, you're likely to go to heaven. Yeah, I'd agree. Here's the thing, though, is I don't think that self-mastery is something that can be achieved. I think it's a... Well, I wouldn't uh, care to live if I thought that. If I can't scuba, what's this all that about? <laughs> um, no, but I think just the concept of self-mastery is you're n- never there while on Earth. It's not possible because of original sin. You can get, like, really good. Yeah, that's... Okay, I'll concede that. Technically, you can't, like, get there. I was thinking, like... Um, Is that... Therese or Francis. Yeah, makes me think of... Francis would, like, throw himself into thorny bushes if he was tempted to sin. Yeah, but see, even that, I don't think... Well, does self-mastery include, like, not being tempted... Because that doesn't... Not being tempted, but... I think self-mastery would really be... Like, if you are tempted, you don't have to throw yourself into thorns to stop yourself. Are like, you, if that works for you, that's good. Are you dissing on But I think that's not mastery. Francis? It's not mastery, I don't think. So you are. I think mastery is greater than that. But... Are you um, to rosebush level resistance? No, I'm not. I'm worse than that. Um, <laughs> well, so that's what, that's where I think that it's like the whole thing about um, uh, what was the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, I don't know, but I think when it comes to like sort of like dealing with temptations, I think there's different levels to your reaction to it. So I think like obviously the lowest thing would just be giving in to whatever temptation you have without a second thought. And then there's like thinking about it like should I, should I not? And then doing it anyway. There's you know, then there's like contemplating, resisting, 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 yeah, like, but maybe giving in one out of 
five yeah times. there's like doing something to like stop yourself from e- like either having that temptation or so to thorn bushes thorn bushes um that kind of thing but then i think there's even a higher level to it where you know you can you know have some kind of temptation and you know just realize like no <laughs> this is wrong i don't need this whatever you say to yourself and move on right or whatever um or whatever or whatever so yeah i think that just the concept of self mastery is an ongoing process for as long as you're alive on earth <laughs> but again people get close in it i think it was um who's the one you're going to think this is dumb but i got to look up this person <gasps> how what? dare you Okay, just making sure it was him. It may not be still, but I'm pretty sure. Am I about to make fun of you? No, I don't think so. Um, I think it was Dominic Savio, who, um, one of his, like, things, and, like, from the time of, like, being a small child, like, learned about what mortal sin was, and, like, Mm -hmm. dedicated himself to never commit a mortal sin. And I believe he was successful in that but obviously that's really between him and god but um was like so i don't just want to say afraid but sort of like the fear of god sort of level of losing yeah but was like so afraid to miss out on heaven or you know miss like sever his connection with god through mortal sin he was like like no i'm not gonna do that i don't care what it is right like it's not gonna happen (laughs) and like that's that's like the closest i think you can get to self-mastery but i don't know i think that's about it but um just to again look at the quote from John Paul II I just want to make sure so and uh, yeah I think that's the good place to end I think it's uh, a good summary that you know the ethos of redemption is kind of seen in real life through self mastery um, which again I believe is a constant ongoing process right of you know since we can't fully get there and i think that's what part of what jesus is calling us to also is that him as god realizes our situation and even though he's calling us to more he's not calling us to perfection i think that that would be contradictory so um like Jesus taking us where we're at, knowing our limitations, is saying that we just need to be trying our best. 
is really about it. And so self-mastery would be uh, our way of trying to obtain that. Yes, and seeking confession. Yes, confession, Eucharist, sacraments. Legitimate sacramental forgiveness for sins. Right. In order to strengthen us against future sins. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's definitely a big part of it. Is because that's another thing is we can't do it on our own. Right. So we need the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. Well. You feel good about. Yeah, I think that that'll do it. And like we said at the beginning, we'll kind of touch on this topic again other times. So. Yes. This is just sort of a very foundational knowledge building session. And if you have questions or you feel like we didn't cover something. (laughs) If you know more than us, which you probably do. Which is fine. We're okay with that. Yep. We don't need to know more than people. Nope. Um, Send us an email is what I was going to say, though. Mm-hmm. Do we have a Mountain Dew tonight? Nope. I don't think we have any. We don't. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Maybe uh, next time. Yeah. We'll have to... There's some in my office. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that next time. We have time, to though. try that on the podcast with Father. Yeah. Um. Okay. Thank you all so much for your patience as we figured our lives out, sort of. <laughs> A little bit. 10%. Um, and we will be back next week again. As long as there's nothing crazy happening. Um... What are all the things? Oh, follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. Like, subscribe, share, do the things that make the internet overlords tell you that we're doing things. Mm. Um, what else? We're on Patreon. We're doing an mm-hmm. AMA soon. Yep. We're just really tired, and I'm not going to even try to lie to you about this. It's been a long couple of weeks, and we still have a lot of unpacking to do, but we are going to do an AMA. Yep. Um, So check out our Patreon if you're interested in that, and... If you have any wine suggestions for us, oh, that's a new thing I want to ask for. If you mm-hmm. have a wine you want us to try, that, um, if you want us to buy it, it has to be able to be found at local grocery stores in North <laughs> Carolina, yeah. or like local. It has to be available in yeah. Western North Carolina. If you want to send us wine, we will heck yeah try it. 
True. And mm-hmm. also give you a shout out. Yeah. If you send us a bottle of wine. Um, even if it's a little, like, actually, honestly, if people sent us, like, little bottles of wine. Yeah. That would be so perfect. That would be better like for us. a two-glass bottle. Yeah, so we don't have, like, a wine cellar or something. No. <laughs> we have a smaller refrigerator than we had at the house we just moved out of. Yeah. So... That's true. Um, yeah, if you want to send us a bottle of wine uh, or make a recommendation, you can DM us on Instagram, Facebook, or send us an email, and we will tell you where to send that, or we will accept your recommendation. Yeah. Also, if you have any good, like, dairy-free ice cream flavors, I'm looking for <laughs> recommendations. I should stop. <laughs> wow. Um... All right. I think that's everything. I did make a promise in a previous episode that we were going to talk about masculinity and femininity soon. Yeah, so maybe next time. So maybe next time. We're also going to try to get Father in to talk about indulgences Mm. and dead people. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Stay tuned. We love you guys. And we pray for you. Bye.